0: Welcome back to .NET Rocks, this is Carl Franklin And this is Richard Campbell We're at Ignite We are at Ignite, I like this space though Yeah it is spa- and thank God the hurricane didn't destroy Orlando No Or
1: this would be a totally different show <laughs> Yes, quite, quite a different show, and here we are from the relief center <laughs> <laughs> We're out in the boat <laughs> yeah.
0: It's a bit windy Scott Hunter is here Scott thank Hunter Thank you guys Uh, but before we talk to him, we have this little business of doing a thing we call Better Know a Framework. Awesome. All right, buddy, what do you got? Here's what I have. package PackageSearch.AzureWebsites.net. Heard oh, of that one, Scott? I have, yes. Yeah. This is a very cool site. It's free. It's a package search for .NET Core Packages. So you just put a type or a member, and it'll show all the packages containing a match. So... I just put in system string, or actually I just put in string, and I got back like 9,000 results. <laughs> but it tells you the package name, like system runtime, version 4.1.0, system string, and all of the .NET cores and standards that it supports. .NET Core 5, .NET Standard 1, 2, 3, and 5, and the list just goes on. So it's a very handy tool for anybody doing .NET Core, either migrations or just, uh, you know, where is that type? I can't find it. Should it be here? Is it not? Whatever. So cool. Thanks. That's it. That's Very what cool. I got. Who's talking to us, man?
1: Yeah? <laughs> Grabbed a comment off of Show thirteen seventy six, the one we did with Mister Hunter back in November twenty sixteen, talking a little bit about Connect because there was a lot of announcements back then, and that's we were talking about Core one because even one point one it was now yeah. at that point. Yeah, and this comment comes to us from. Alex Shannon, who says, I enjoyed listening to the show as it managed to diffuse my frustration at having to move my core apps back to CS Proj, especially after I just got the hang of Project.json. <laughs> <laughs> What was missing, though, is the package management system in .NET Core Apps. How are these going to be managed? Right now, we are having trouble with internal feeds not being used over default NuGet feeds, meaning we have to disable all feeds except the one we want to get our packages down on. Can we not use a more intelligent package manager, especially with parts of the .NET framework are now packaged? Hmm. I'll get Scott to answer that. I but, think that's uh, a great idea. Because since he's sitting right here, and all, Alex, thank you so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at Com, or via any of our social media, because we publish every show to Facebook and Google+. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug.
0: And definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's
1: at Rich Campbell. And
0: send us a tweet. We put him in nice little packages.
1: <laughs> I got your bio right here, Mr. Hunter. I see that. Brief. Yeah. Direct, Why don't you read it? Yeah. Scott yeah. Hunter is the director of program management on the .NET team at Microsoft, and his team build the .NET framework, .NET Core, ASP.NET, any framework, the managed languages, web, and .NET tooling. All and the things. What do you do stuff. on Tuesday? <laughs> F-sharp. <Thanks>. Uh,
0: <laughs> Where are we at
1: with Core today? Uh, we just shipped Core 2.0. Uh, God, what, about three or, four, three or four weeks ago? Yeah, yeah, and, in August. Uh, it was funny because you, you, that, that uh, question you were just reading, uh, one of the things we learned with Core, Core 1.0, was uh, as, as the .NET team, we, we struggled between, .NET's always been this thing that was part of Windows. Right. Which means if you want to change something in .NET, you have to wait for a Windows release to happen to actually change something in .NET. And so we we uh, over-pivoted in .NET Core 1.0 saying, hey, we want to have the ability to change everything, so we'll make everything packages. Right. Um, and that's that's why some of these tools like that lookup tool you were talking about before right. even exist is if you're building a .NET Core 1.0 application, you might have to go look up which package whatever class you want to use is actually in. Right. Um, and so one of the things we changed in .NET Core 2.0 is you just reference .NET Core at the top of your, your CS project file, and you get all of .NET Core. There is no referencing each of the, a package for each of those individual things. What we learned yeah. was trying to manage the package graph for the .NET Framework. Was hard, yeah. Um, and, and we not had, worth the pain. It wasn't. Wor- it wasn't worth the pain. We had. We had two people, pretty much full time job, was to manage the package graph, right? And we wow. still broke it three times uh, over the the one zero period to the. One one through the one one period. I mean, what would be the argument for decomposing the framework like that, just to make it smaller when you're developing? Because I know at runtime you can cut out the stuff you don't want. The hope from the engineering team was that you could go change a piece of the framework mm-hmm. more easily. Oh, I, hey, I can just go grab a new one of these packages and try right. something. Try something new. So the idea was it made if you want to go change string, right. it's easier to change string. Right. Sure. Than having to ship. A whole folder whole full of DLLs DLs, yeah, right, for the entire for the for the whole framework, yeah. but yeah, not but worth making, the pain. But it was not it was not worth the pain, That's and really and the reality is customers want to reference a single thing, yeah. yeah, not a graph of stuff, and that that graph was not consistent. So, you could build one day and then I could build the next day and I might have a different package graph than you had. You know, this, what this reminds me of is back in the Silverlight days, like 2010, 2011, when you guys were doing out of band releases, right. same thing. We started having problems composing. So, what exactly is your dev configuration? Which version of this do you have? Which version of that do you have? Yeah. Like they, it, it became it, a challenge. It was a mess. I mean, I, I remember it's like, oh, I'm using um, .NET Framework 4.5, yeah. I have MVC4, Web API 2, right. Signal R3, yep, exactly. uh, web pages two or whatever it is i mean <laughs> right. we don't want to go there again no please tell me people in the audience that that is not good right you just want to download one thing and you just get everything or a Assem- sub-assembly hell yes <laughs> lots of nodding for that one <laughs> good sure, so. so
0: one thing that um i find people find confusing uh, at least i did at first was the whole idea of standards like you know in the in Affinex, next we curate poly the pat the nuget right uh, a policy for retries so um This, we we have it down to .NET Standard 1. Yeah. And so, you know, when a new standard comes out, no, you don't have to be Standard 2, Standard whatever, because if it's Standard 1, it's already...
1: Right, Standard Standard it's always like it's, a that's, subset. Yeah. That's exactly it. So we, yeah. we we shipped .NET Standard one obviously last June when we shipped .NET Core one point oh. Yeah, um, it's, it's June, there, there is, is something that last few, June or there, two Junes ago. It's last year, okay, It's only last year. Um, the, yeah, it's only it's we're a little bit over a year into yeah. the .NET Core yeah. era, um, at least for the release stuff. Yeah, um, but that that whole first off a lot of a lot of people, .NET Standard confuses a lot of folks. .NET Standard uh, is pe- uh, people have asked me. Where do I download .NET Standard? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's, you don't download a standard. Yeah. The standard is... So, honestly, the standard is... And, and there's a person on my team, Emo, who actually kind of owns the standard. All it really is, it's a list of APIs mm-hmm. that is supported uh, for .NET Standard 2. It's just it's just a huge list of APIs. Sure. And a .NET Framework has to implement all those APIs to be considered .NET Standard X yep. compliant. Right. right. And so, what we, what we kind of said three weeks ago when we shipped all this stuff was .NET Framework... .NET Core, and Xamarin, all are .NET Standard 2 compliant. Right, yeah. And that means this huge list of APIs, each of them has to satisfy that list of APIs. And they all behave the same way, And they, too? they all pretty much behave the okay. same way. There'll be a few cases where you might get a thrown exception. It'll be a platform that I've implemented exception. Those are edgy things. There's like right. 20 or 30 of those on the edges. But for the most part, it means you have a series of APIs that are completely consistent with across all those all those so uh coded for one works for the other and the most that's fundamental
0: pieces are in one yes yeah so that's like your your strings and your async await
1: and that kind of stuff that's in one and of course if you're you know in, in Carl's case if your library supports that in standard one it runs on more platforms. Sure, it runs on, it runs on all it the runs, platforms. It runs on pretty standard. much everything, because that was yeah. the small subset that .NET Core 1 basically had. Right. Um, yeah. But, uh and so, yeah, if, if you're building a library, you want to aim for the lowest standard you can support, Right. because yep, you get more breadth. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know, because, like, .NET Core 1 won't run .NET Standard 2 stuff. Right. And, and it, .NET Core 2 will run everything. The, yeah. And so much better than PCL, which was sort of like, All right, how many
0: platforms do I want to support? Now I'm left with an API set that's like this. That's that's what
1: led us that way. PCL was this thing that you keep checking the boxes, and by the time you're done, you can do string and int and double. (laughs) uh, But it runs everywhere. But it runs everywhere. You can make a calculator. strings (laughs) will run everywhere in .NET. (laughs) (laughs) And, and you know, I think that that era existed because back in those days, we didn't have the power to say that all .NET must implement this stuff. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and even, we even got the, uh, the Windows guys with, uh, UWP. Mm-hmm. It now, um, supports .NET Standard 2 as well. That's interesting. So, yeah. so one of the biggest complaints of somebody trying to build a universal Windows application was that .NET didn't feel like real .NET because there was right. a ton of APIs that you were used to having in .NET that were just gone. Right. right? Yeah. Um, the, the other cool thing about .NET Standard 2 is roughly 70, 70ish percent of all the NuGet packages in NuGet.org will run on .NET standard too. Nice. Nice. Which yeah. means if you're a UWP developer, suddenly the entire package ecosystem opens up, opens up for right. you. Mm-hmm. You do get worlds available. If to you. you're a .NET Core developer, the entire universe opens up for you. So it's. Where does WPF get edged in here? Or does it, is it edged out? Well, I think it's, I think it is edged in. So WPF and WinForms, uh, they're still one of the most popular uh, yeah. app types that you see in .NET today. So sure. it's, even though there's a bunch of shiny new things. The reality is most of our developers building desktop applications are using WinForms or WPF today. Mm-hmm. We will still continue to invest in there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some talks this week at Ignite uh, that are focusing on, uh, there's a couple things. One is we did the high DPI support for WinForms um, in 4.7. Right. Uh, there's more of that work coming. You'll uh, we'll get some of it, some, some more of it next year. But one of our goals is to make WinForms work great for modern high DPI uh, screens. The next big thing we think of when you think of WPF and WinForms is um, if you want to go take those apps. It used to be the, the the Windows team would have said, "Hey, if you want to build an app that runs on Windows, it has to be a UWP app." Right. Right. Now right. you've you've heard this term, centennialization. Right. Um, and even actually, let's talk about that. What does that mean, actually? So, yeah. So what that what that means is that's when you take an existing application, whether it's Win32, whether it's .NET, with WinForms or WPF, whatever that application is. And you put that into the, uh, you, you make that, pa- that app where it can be put in the Windows Store. And there's, oh, right. okay. and there's so two that's... versions of the Windows Stores. There's a the public Windows Store. So people might have seen that Office now is in the Windows Store. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's a, it's a Win32 application. It's yep. not a UWP application. It's, app, right. it's a, it's a, it's, it's an old school, old school app. Um, so you can put those in the store, but there's also a local store as well. So you can have, your company can have your own version of the Windows Store. And so the benefit if you're a Winform developer or WPF developer of trying to do this is, Typically the hardest part of a Winform WPF app is how you install it across deployment. Your, your, sure. your deployment every exactly. time. Exactly. You have somebody in your team that builds an MSI for you, or you use a technology like ClickOnce. Right. Well in the case of this centennialization, with the with the next update of Visual Studio, we're going to make it where you can basically right click on your project and take any any existing project and turn it into a centennialized application so it's ready for the store. Whether it's the public store or so your, so your Centennial store was the code name for the tool that basically wrapped these. Oh, it's, the bridge, apps right? it's, it's the a thing. bridge. Yeah. and and one of the cool things that the Centennialization does is it is it actually does it's it's kind of a sandbox. Mm-hmm. So an app running inside of a, a Centennialized app is running inside of a sandbox, which means it can't like destroy the registry and all those kinds of things. Right. that's so great. You, it's actually talking to a. Faked kind of registry in a lot of ways. Well, sort of the,
0: like a virtualized app. Isn't it, it? It's a virtualized
1: app. Yeah, and that was a you know when Win8 was first talked about back in 2011, there was very much this idea of you know you're not going to call the SQL Server directly. You're in this container now, and there are very strict rules about how you go in and out. Yeah. So it feels like that wrapper is back, but it's being inserted in a different way. And same thing makes the app software really safe. Like there's only so much you can do if you're in that wrapper.
0: So if I have a WPF app that I want to sell. To yeah. the general public, I can centennialize that, put it in the Windows Store, and sell, and, it. And sell it. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, I get uh, that. And, and there's some more stuff coming as well. I can't talk about it today. Yeah, uh, but You'll there's some there's some other interesting stuff that uh, Well, XAML standards sort of fits in there. XAML somewhere. standards in there somewhere as well. But right. there, we, we also know that this the Winform programming model is really easy and popular. Mm. And is there a way we could we could break, bridge do more bridging and bring some of the UWP isms into that as yeah. well? Yeah, so sure. that's um, there, one could speculate. Yes, one might speculate. <laughs> so. there,
0: there is a open source project out there that does the, a replacement for GDI that sort of uses the GPU, doesn't it? I, I mean, I think I talked about that on .NET. Rock I think before. you did a framework on it once. There yeah. there, are,
1: there are quite a few GPU uh, libraries out there for .NET. Even, yeah. even some commercial ones yeah. that are out there. Yeah. One, of the, one of the things we just announced um, at .NET Conf last week was um, if you're a .NET Core developer, you know, with .NET Standard, we brought all these APIs back. Uh, but mm. pretty much any API that we're going to bring back into .NET Core has to be something that runs cross-platform. Right, sure. Um, there still are some Windows APIs that developers commonly use, and so we announced the, the Windows compat Pack for .NET Core. Oh, cool. Um, and that is we're, we're taking things like system.drawing. Great uh sound. And which is which is <laughs> something that a lot of people use to resize images and stuff like that. We're going to yeah. bring that back as a NuGet package. Yay. Nice. Things like system directory services are going to come back this way. Um, there's a whole bunch of these that we're bringing back, so that's that's something we'll probably release in the October November time frame. Love it. Uh, making it even easier to move your application to core. We're trying to go basically knock down e- each of the reasons why, uh, you know, it block you from going to core. Is there sort of a hardware virtualization in there? Like,
0: I'm I'm you know thinking about audio apps, video apps, things that you know interact more intimately with the system uh, resources, like the audio system. You know, making an abstraction layer across that is really hard because you're opening streams and those, you know, streams have to implement the
1: right. They have to behave
0: correctly, first of all, across platform. I, I
1: think the first area you're going to see, uh, that is a very interesting area. Edge and, I, and I think we yeah. will actually do something there. I think the first one you're going to see, you kind of actually kind of hinted to it already, the GPU stuff. Yeah. Um, one of the things we want to do with .NET is we want to make sure .NET is actually really usable for building uh, if you're doing AI. Right. Machine learning. Mm -hmm. Um, And so how do you run models in .NET? And so we have part of our team that's actually working right now on taking common machine learning uh, types and putting them into the BCL. So this will be something you'll see later this year probably. built in. Built in. Uh, Because there's there's a whole bunch of .NET libraries for uh, machine learning and AI today, Mm -hmm. but they all implement these types themselves. And so the hope for us is we actually implement the types... Um, in the BCL, and then all the, the .NET AI libraries share these types, which means you can then share code between between right. libraries. You don't get caught in a trap where you use uh, this library with these special types, and now yeah. you want to use this thing over here, and you have right. to map the types. And then, then hopefully in the future, we would then take that library and GPU enable it. Right. So you could actually then run that those ma- that that math stuff directly on the GPU and get super super crazy performance. That's so great. That, I think the GPU virtualization would yeah. be probably the first one because of the AI aspect. Yeah. yeah. But um, any of the I.O. constructs, when you talk about audio and video streaming stuff, right. it's like, how do I get to the bus? How do I move data efficiently, reliably, consistently? Yeah. So, yeah, I can see a lot of wrappers running over yeah. there. I mean, XAML's kind of the whammy here, right? Core is awesome. You, I can see you getting this compatibility. Like, I love the idea I'm going to be able to pick up a 4.7 app and just switch uh, frameworks and recompile it. And it's so, like, mm-hmm. ta-da, cross-platform. Mm-hmm. Mm. But it's it's all about the UI at that. point, if it's a desktop, UI
0: aspect. doesn't cross platforms very well. Does so, it?
1: So it? It does not yet. Um, Miguel Miguel showed some cool stuff at .NET Conf. If anybody mm-hmm. saw the keynote of .NET Conf last week, uh, Miguel was there. <laughs> Miguel showed uh, he's got Xamarin Forms running on pretty much every platform wow. now. He has it on Linux. He has it on Mac, and he has it on Windows. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. Um, and so that's that's just the beginning of trying to touch those kinds of things. Um, he's the guy like if anybody's going to try and find a way to have a XAML that runs everywhere. Yeah, he's the guy. Yeah. Exactly. And he, and he, he you know go watch that keynotes if you want to see and find find out how to get access to access to those bits. Um but I think some combination of what he was showing and XAML standard will end up with something in the future where you will have this kind of cross-platform UI. Yeah. That's great. I think we first talked to you about .NET standard in 2015. Mhm. When it was just sort of at its formative stages, like we got this issue, this is how we're going to deal with it. I mean, now it's manifest as standard two. Yes. But the first time we heard the phrase XAML standard" was build this year, That's right? I think. March. It was, was, was built this year, March yeah. or April, and it was and, just an idea. And I think it still is. But it just like it feels to me like it takes a couple of years to make a standard <laughs> it, mean something. It, it does. I mean, even as you said, under standard. I think I should. I talked about it at Build the first time in mm-hmm. 2015, mm. and the reason that we even talked about that was as I joined the .NET team, I'm trying to look at all these .NETs that we have, and they're right. all incompatible with each other. Yeah. Each other. And it's painful and so I, for it, us like, as developers. It is painful, and I I saw the pain. It's like, how many... Uh, my engineering manager, John Cunningham, he calls these shards. Right. He yes. goes, we've made too many shards. <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, the right, right number of shards <laughs> is one. We, we, need to, we need to de-shard <laughs> the product. Right. Um, and, and, but it, as you said, we showed that in 2015, and really, it didn't come to fruition until about three or four weeks ago with .NET Standard 2. So well, I get the sense that. that you had all these teams that are still operating separately. They're just going to a common point. Right. So how many flavors of XAML are there out there that need to, you know, get standardized? So obviously, Xamarin, right? And, and there's, Xamarin there's, Forms is very XAML. There's Xamarin, mm-hmm. there's UWP, there's yeah. WPF. Right. Those are probably the three, the biggest, three big ones. The three big
0: ones. And very different. Like, you know, Xamarin and WPF are so different, mm-hmm. yes, well, XAML-wise.
1: Well, Xamarin and, and, and UWP and are UDP. very different as well. Yeah, yeah. So. And, and, and I don't know that people really grasp the fact that the UWP implementation of XAML and the WPF implementation of XAML are not the same things. They're right. different teams. Right. right. Completely different teams. Yeah. yeah. Each, each of those XAML teams are completely different teams. Completely different teams at different locations doing different things. But hopefully we'll be able to, just like you do with .NET Standard, hopefully sure. we'll get to a point where, you know, we have some commonality across all these things. Right. Um, which makes it easy. You know, it'd be great if you could just take some of your code from a Forms app and paste it into a UWP app or take code from a UWP app. XAML code, right, and paste right. it into a, a Xamarin app. That I'm really also thinking is the, from a skills perspective that I'm comfortable writing my XAML this way, sure. and then I switch platforms and I'm still comfortable. Th- that's, writing that's it. That I way. mean, you learn the skill. That's the whole whole, whole part of the .NET Standard. is you learn one class library or one VCL, yeah. and you can use it everywhere? XAML would be the same thing. Once you learn to do XAML one way, that that, that crosses all the tiers. Awesome. But I think it'll take those guys a little bit of time to do sure. that. It's not yeah. that's not going to happen overnight. That's no. hard work.
0: This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our friends at JetBrains. Hey, how often do you profile memory usage in your .NET apps? What if you could automate memory usage checks so that they're executed every time you commit a change? You can actually do that with .memoryUnit from JetBrains. .memoryUnit is a free unit testing framework for monitoring .NET memory usage. You write unit tests that check your code for all kinds of memory issues, and then run the tests on your machine or in a continuous integration server like Team City or VSTS, just like you do with regular unit tests. You can track how much memory is allocated, check memory for objects of a specific type to prevent memory leaks, or compare several memory snapshots in a unit test to see if memory usage is creeping up. Learn more and download .memoryunit from jetbrains.netrocks.com or just search for a package called .memoryunit on the NuGet gallery. I'd like to remind everybody you are listening to .NET Rocks Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. We're talking to Scott Hunter about .NET Core, .NET Standards, AML Standard, and everything else in that bucket. And uh, we're t- talking about the complexity of all the UIs and how merging them is just going to take a while. But uh, I, d- I do remember back, you know, when uh, Windows 8 apps, you know, when we first had what is now UWP, Metro apps, I guess we were calling them. Don't They'll say, say the word. Actually, I can say that because <laughs> I don't work for Microsoft. Um, but that's what we called them anyway. And how different the the libraries were. And so there was a lot of pushback, you know, right. from your traditional base, which was like, you know, how many times am I going to have to relearn XAML? And you know, you can you can sort of hear that cynicism, uh, you know, in the zeitgeist out there today. Um, but you know, what do you say to people that are like, oh, okay? How many times is the standard going to change and all of that stuff? It seems like once you crack the cross-platform problem, then you know that's it.
1: I mean, what else? What else changes? Really? Well, I was going to say, if you look at .NET standards, mm-hmm. it, it's not yeah. breaking changes, right? Just more APIs get added, right? Right. 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 It's not. It's not going to be one day that hey, we're just going to go remove five thousand APIs. That's, that's a
0: fair good point. So, fresh. if you're doing Xamarin Forms today, those Xamarin Forms apps will continue to work forever. until forever. Right, yeah. But there right. may be n- new ways to. You might be able to use a a, a text block.
1: At, at some point, you might be able to use some text block, and that same yeah. text block works in UWP, it works in right. forms, it works in Xam, you know whatever yeah. other XAMLs we have. That's a so great point. That really is the point. Is 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 the skills you have today will stay the same, right? But hopefully, you'll be able to learn a new skill in the future that actually trans goes everywhere. Yeah, well, and that's and the right way to do it. To your point about this is going to take a couple of years. This is not because we have to figure it all out. Certainly, amount of figuring it out it's that. Now the teams, once they have a standard they want to build to, build their next versions towards that standard. Right? Yeah. They, it's not like they're ripping stuff out or stopping or sure. starting over. They are just building to the next version and all meeting at a point. Yeah. To me, yeah. .NET, that's that this whole I don't ever want to have .NET do one of these moments where you have to like start over again. I think right. If, right. You, if you look at some of the Windows UI tech, the, the biggest challenge for people is every three years, they change the programming model. Yeah. Right. We need to quit changing the programming models. Yeah. Right. You change yeah. the UI. We like the new UI. We like the new look. Just but uh, like don't, don't make me rewrite my app every, every yeah, three years. But, right. Because well, we just don't. It's too expensive. Right. Like, we can't afford it. And our bosses won't let us. Trust me. I talked to lots of .NET customers. <laughs> They're all still running WinForms and WPF. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For exactly that reason. On
0: Windows XP. <laughs>
1: I don't see much of that. <laughs> Thank goodness. I do, oh, man. unfortunately. just I, I, operating system. I
0: just have to impress on people. They think they're doing it so that they're safe, right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing safe about running an old operating system, especially one that isn't
1: updated regularly. I would not run any operating system that's not patched on a regular basis. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's absolutely. up-to-date. Yeah. So uh, another aspect I think a lot of folks are, are struggling with, we we play games with the naming that there's the full framework that's not right. We just call it framework, and then there's core. And you're going to continue these two lines side by side forever. I think, I think we will forever. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know. Other than they both support .NET Standard, I don't. I think that's the the only bridge that we'll have between those things. Right. The the, the reality is .NET Framework is a piece of Windows. Yes. And for backwards compatibility, that piece of Windows has to stay the same that it is today. Right. Um, you know, Windows, the big claim about Windows is you can build an app, and ten years later, that app will still run. The VB runtime ships with S- Windows ten. Still ships the yeah. well, yeah. classic ASP still ships with Windows ten as yes. well. Uh, right. So all that tech is still there. Yeah. Um, and so I don't see any way to merge those things without and no and really no reason to and no reason. You've you've committed Microsoft committed to. Like 10 years of primary, 20 years of secondary support for operating systems, mm. and this stuff's been embedded in the operating system, so it comes with. Now, now we have had conversations about putting, like, wind forms on core. Right. Um, th- Interesting. Th- those, those conversations have kind of happened, but once again, it feels like a weird... Uh, you would have to... Recompile your thing, and what is the benefit you get from recompiling right. things? Right. So, it, what does that look like on Mac? Right. Yeah. You know, right. That's right. where you would be. Going. It would be a it would be a Windows only thing. Right. So now you're 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 tying core but it's compilations it's, to a non cross platform. But creation. it also makes another shard. Yeah, 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 that's really yeah. what it is. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and as, yeah. as you heard, I'm trying to actually reduce the number of things fewer shards. not sure. not have more things. Right. Yeah. So yeah. there'd have to be a great value prop uh, to convince us that we should go do that. Right. If we want to do it. Uh, comically enough at, 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 the, uh, Microsoft hackathon last year, we had Windform turning on core. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's always somebody crazy out there. Speaking somebody of, speaking of crazy. There's always Steve Sanderson. You saw this thing. He did oh, yeah. in the DC with the web assembly. Has, has of anybody Steve seen sharp. blazer? Has anybody you know here blazer heard of blazer?
0: First of all, let's <laughs> spell it. It's, there's no E in there. No, right? It's B L
1: A Z O R. Yeah. It's a GitHub repository. It's Steve Sanderson being Steve Sanderson, where he's found a version of C sharp, that actually runs in JavaScript, has put it together as a WebAssembly. And so, yeah, he's writing C-sharp code inside well, the browser. Well, first off, let's talk about what WebAssembly is. WebAssembly is this new technology that every browser, including Edge, that yep. all the browsers support this. And WebAssembly allows you to run basically native code um, inside the browser. Right. Um, and so you can use this to run potentially .NET, you can run Go, you can run Java, yeah, you can run whatever uh, in, the, in the stack. And so Steve... Put together a, a quick demo where he had C sharp running in the browser. Yep. And so imagine you're building a web application. Um, today you've got to you know take whatever your UI does, you have to convert that into JSON, mm-hmm. then send the JSON down the wire, and then deconstruct that back into a .NET object. And so in his case, because he's running C sharp on both the the, the browser and the back end, he's just sharing sharing C sharp between both sides. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it, it it makes the Talking of the, of the front and the back end easier. He was P invoking to JavaScript. Yes. yes. <laughs> it was awesome. It's, like, it's oh, mind does melting. That? It's like <laughs> does <that>? So, uh, <laughs> uh, Miguel's working on WebAssembly as well. So, so Miguel in, in the, in, in the mobile part of our business has been looking at that as well. Uh, mm. Could you run a Xamarin forms app inside the browser? Mm. Sure. Imagine that. Yeah, the power that would be. That's a yeah. pretty powerful thing. You write a UI in C sharp and that UI then runs in every browser on every platform. That's a, Pretty powerful. Pretty statement. powerful idea. And it's um, just that now the browser is simply the smart client host. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so and then from a web perspective, instead of using the Angular or React, you actually just write C sharp in the client mm-hmm. and it calls C sharp on the back end. Uh, so these are areas we're exploring. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're right. It's still in the sandbox, right? Like, it, there's an inherent unsafe feeling I have here, but it's like, if we're in the browser context. It's, it's in a sandbox. Yeah. You, you can't go out and like call registry and sure. stuff. You can't, you can't go and destroy the box. I mean, right. it's, it's designed in a way that, that you are sandboxed. Because there's, there's lots of concern around this is bit too much. This is not what the web was for, and I'm like ah, we're kind of just trying to get work done here. Uh,
0: it would just be a great parlor trick if you
1: could do that. I mean, but it might be an awesome way to cross-deploy apps. We, we, so we're we're doing what we internally at Microsoft call customer development right now, and mm-hmm. just basically testing the concept with customers to see if it's. It's something they want. And it's something mm-hmm. they want. Yeah. Because on the other side, if we're talking web development, there is the progressive web app, mm-hmm. yeah. which is sort of the adding of the last ingredients in the browser host to make it a real disconnected smart client. Mm-hmm. So I, I see these sort of two competing ideas utilizing the browser as a way to simply get software onto a machine. Some some of the feedback we've gotten from customers is if you've actually built a React app or an Angular app, the mm-hmm. tool chain to build that is pretty Pretty scary. It's complicated, and you it's, sort of ha- you sort of pull it together you, to yourself. You kind of like bridge one thing to the next thing, to sure. the next thing to the next thing. So it's it's a big complicated tool chain. Every time I do a show on this, we I end up taking so many notes for all of the different tools that the, that the guest is talking about. That is this sort of tribe of tools to make that work. Right. So that's one of the other areas we think WebAssembly might be interesting. Mm-hmm. Is is our tool chain is much smaller than the tool and chain. for doing all that stuff. Oh, well, right back to the beginning of this conversation where it's like one version of the framework, like one suite of things I need to make an app. Right. So, hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is uh, now. It must be that happy time again.
0: Yeah. It's time to explore space. Oh. With a warp drive and warp core. Uh, and I'm uh, uh, trying to know. find some other Star Trek references. And a warp framework? Is that where you're going to go? framework. Okay. Yeah. How how does that work? <laughs> I don't know. We it's actually data. we haven't made that's coming. Uh, it's actually time to give away a D-Experience subscription from our friends at DevExpress to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Without limits or compromise. Learn more and download your free 30-day trial of DevExpress Universal at Devexpress.com slash superhero. Well, all right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner, Richard, is Dion Brown. Give Congratulations, it a round of Dion. applause for Dion
1: Brown. applause for you, sir.
0: He's here. No, he's
1: not. I'm just
0: <laughs> sorry. Everybody... Uh, and Dion just won the DevExpress D-Experience subscription, a big pile of awesome from our friends over there, just for being a member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And hey, if you don't know what that is, go to click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club, because we have thousands of members all over the world. And every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one randomly selected member of the .NET Rocks fan club, you got to sign up to win.
1: Once we convince them we're not Nigerian princes. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Scott, you've answered this question a lot, but uh, you know we it's do this, a year.
1: We do this <laughs> oh, to no.
0: every guest. If you had five thousand dollars to spend on technology today, sir, what do you think you would buy? Don't say Azure credits, because... No, Azure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> drones. Drones? Yeah. yeah. You got a yeah. particular one in mind? No,
0: not just drone. Drones. Sweet. Are, you Fleet are you like of drones? dancing drones? So I'm, I'm, like,
1: I'm, I'm a big fan right now of the, the drones where you wear the goggles. Oh, yeah. And see how it's from the see first first drones. drones. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they, they you can get these really small ones now, and they go, like, really, really crazy yeah. fast. Yeah. I was actually at a park in, in Redmond uh, a month or so ago and we were racing them up and down trees. <laughs> wow. That's sort of like a video game in real life. <laughs> yes. <It's> yes. Weird. <laughs> when you mess up, you can't put another quarter in. Right, you have to yeah. go pick up the pieces. But they're, well, they're carbon fiber. <laughs> they don't even break Yeah, They, they, they just kind of bounce around. So I got, I got one for my birthday when you were there. You were sort of there. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm afraid to fly it at full speed. I think I'm going to need the goggles. Because flying it remotely at full speed, when you're just looking at it, it's way too Do they bad, actually have
0: dogfighting games where you can you know shoot at each other and you see graphics and stuff and you're doing this in sort of in the real world at the same time? I have not seen that. Because no. that's a good idea. Hundred bucks.
1: <laughs> but, but we have gone out there and chased RC planes with the drones. Yeah. So. Wow. Cool. So I'm worried flying up on the coast there being attacked by eagles. Because <laughs> that's a problem where I'm from. <laughs> that
0: would make a heck of a video,
1: though, yeah. wouldn't it? Kind of the end of Eagle's the drone, though. <laughs> the drone will ah! lose. <laughs> you can buy a big drone. Yeah, the they, they, big DJIs, but I like that little spark. Like that thing's wicked fast and mm. very cool. It's got a great camera on it. Mm. So I've, I've flown it out over the ocean and, and watched seals feeding below, and then they look up like, "What's that thing?" And they all take off. So mm. they're a little nauseous. But fine. So we don't have a dilithium crystal type yet in .NET. So no. I'll have, to, I'll have to work on that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it might m- take many bars of gold-pressed latinum <laughs> to make that work.
1: <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the, obviously the versions are just going to continue where they are. Do you see them iterating in sequence? So look, we're going to get a core 2.1, around 4.7.2, like that kind of thing? Well, Windows, I think Windows has announced they're doing like a twice a year kind of update path. Okay. okay. Um, there's a fall one and a spring one. I think is what they've announced. I don't think I'm saying something that's not out public. Yeah. So that yeah. means that's when framework will be updated. And, but. and so we have two, t- basically two times a year to update the .NET framework. Okay. Um, and core. I don't think we figured out exactly what the what the the speed of core is going to be right now. So we we just did. We won't do another major version. I, it was I such a heavy push. There I mean, was, there was yeah. a huge push after the 1.0, you know, to do the 2.0, and two o 2.0 had the big change of the .NET standard and repackaging the framework. I don't see one of those happening. Well, I think we'll do a two-one, a 2.2, a 2.3. It'll be a while before we go to a, to a 3. What's the next standard? Have you did dec- have, have you agreed upon a standard PR 2? No, no, we're not, we're not thinking of, I don't, I don't think .NET standard is going to change for a while. So okay. I think standard 2 will be the thing for at least a year or two or maybe even three. It's, there, there's not a, <coughs> it's an interesting question of why you would rev the standard. Right. Like, what ha- what happens that makes you decide we'd have to, to go to a new standard? Because now all the teams are going to go off in their different directions, compliant with two, but adding new bets. New so, technologies? So, so I, I think some of the stuff that might make the standard change in the future is um, one of the things that Mads Torgerson showed at .NET Conf, mm-hmm. um, and Casey's going to show a little bit later today in, in a session at 1045 uh, here at Ignite, is some of the new C-sharp features that are coming in. Right. <clears throat> we have C-sharp one that's going to come out uh, in November. Um, there'll likely be a 7.2 sometime early next year. Yeah. And then we have an eight that that'll come out next fall. I mean, these aren't set dates. I'm just giving uh timeframes. Roughly. Yep, yep. Um, and there's some cool features. There's a nullability feature that we have uh, that, that's coming. Uh, but there's also some new uh, language abstracts we've built to make things like Kestrel, which is the web server that runs right. inside of ASP.NET Core, faster. So we... We when we built Kestrel, we wrote a lot of unsafe code. And so, if you look at inside of Kestrel, there's lots of dirty, unsafe code because right. we're trying to. You were going for speed, is that right? It's recall? all speed and, yeah. and reusing memory and sure. doing a bunch of buffering and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, and we're we're now looking at building uh, features into the language that allow us to get rid of some of that code. Cool, wow, great, and, and, and so, make it safer. And some of those types will. will Likely end up in the standard in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, we talked about AI and ML. Yeah, ML. That, yeah, I could see that adding to a standard. But, but the sure. way the way we kind of think of it at Microsoft is core because it's not associated with Windows. We can move faster, right? right. Yeah. Um, so what we probably see us do is we'll try stuff. Yeah, it seems then, like the experimental place, and we'll experiment. Mm-hmm. And if and if the experiment successful, then mm-hmm. we'll decide. Okay, but, it's time to go. Add this to the standard, right? and maybe there's a standard 2.1 that comes out two years from now where we add some ML types, we add some other types to it. Uh, but that's going to that's gonna be the thing, is we're going to wait until we think we have enough stuff uh, to consider revving the spec.
0: Is there anything new coming in the mobile space that we haven't talked about that you can talk about?
1: Uh, I think we've already talked about all the stuff in the mobile space. The, the big thing in the mobile space, which um, James showed yesterday, is... We want to make the being able to develop on a mobile device easier than it is today. If, if you, if you want to run an emulator, well, those are slow. If you want to copy to your device, takes that long. is slow. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, the Xamarin guys have been showing the, the live player. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah. and that tech, I think is really amazing because basically you're, you're in Visual Studio. You don't have to pair your phone with Visual Studio. You don't have to put a USB cable in yeah. and plug it up. You basically take a picture of a, of a barcode on right. this, on the screen. Yeah. And basically it's screen sharing the app. Uh, to the device, into the device. Yeah, I tried oh.
0: that earlier, and yeah, I think it was a build. I tried it, and it was it was new, but uh, it
1: still got some edges on it and stuff like edges, that. Yeah. But, but but I think that's that's still the the big this, thing in the shortening up the cycle of write yes. code, run code, fix code. Yes, that's the pain I see right now in mobile and, development, and especially when it's more than one device. We we think it's web development as well. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we're not happy with is we think the what we we call this at Microsoft we call this inner loop. Inner loop is you you write some code, you save it, and you run. Yeah. How long is that cycle Mm -hmm. when you you save and and run and see it? Yeah. How long does that take in ASP.NET Core? It takes seconds, right? Like five or six seconds, probably. Um, I want that to be one second or sub one second, right? Uh, live player is trying to do the same thing in the mobile space. So I think in both places, we're trying to get that inner loop, Mm. um, Things solved. I think. I another, think it's a direct gauge of productivity. The, yeah. the, the quicker you can iterate on that, the more code you write, the happier you are with what you're making. Uh, another thing we're doing in, in in that space is if you build a, a mobile app, uh, we want to give you an ASP.NET Core back end by default, right? Nice. And then wire up all the hard stuff. The hardest. If you have a mobile app, well, and you want authentication. Yeah. How do you know that your API that you're actually calling from your mobile app is secure? Right. Yeah. Right. That's a hard problem, and so we're trying to build templates. The the latest. Uh, Preview of Visual Studio for Mac or the latest RTM version of Visual Studio for Mac now has that when you build a a mobile app. There's a checkbox to give it to get it back in. Great. And I think that's something you'll see us continue to iterate on as well, trying to make. You know, the, the, give you the front end and the back end. I'd like to even go do that for UWP and some of the yeah, other types. absolutely. Yes, I, I'd love to have some consistent authentication strategy. So if my company's right. decided, hey, we always use API management through AD through Azure with Azure AD, right. that's just a set of specifications put in. And each time you go to build a back end, it just includes that. It just that. includes right. It. Right. that. Right, exactly. Yeah, it says, give me the credential, off we go. Yeah, that's a whole area that we're going I, to focus on. But you guys plumbing. I don't want to think about that stuff. I just want to do it right. And
0: that's where Microsoft really excels in taking care of that plumbing stuff, right? I mean, historically and continuously.
1: I'll give you an area that we have not invested in for a long time and we're thinking of again. Mm. So, when we shipped .NET Core 1.0, or .NET Framework 1.0 and 1.1 2002? Remember we had these things called data sources? Yeah. It's so easy to wire an app to data. Yeah. We haven't done that in a long time. It's a long time. We were asking ourselves just recently, hey, I've got a, a REST API on the back end and I want to call it from my front end. I have a friend. bunch of manual tools you can run to do this. You add, yeah. you know, you add Swashbuckle to your end, that makes that gi- that gives you a Swagger file, and then from that Swagger file, I can run a, a generator that we have in, in Visual Studio that will generate you the client side code that you can call it from. Yeah. What if we went and stitched that back together automatically in the tooling again? I right. Mean, you know, the, the whole part of Visual Studio, especially in the .NET Framework one to two era, right, was productivity. Yeah. Um, it seems like we've given you more control and more power. Uh, the last couple of years, we were but still we have very client-server back then. You were basically wiring to the database, right? But and now, now you know, wanna, in this we case, we be wiring wire to a REST a, API, yeah, and, API. and uh doing it right and doing it right. So, yeah. we, but we we think we could actually go automate all those steps. Of um, and once again, you're building your Xamarin app. Yeah. Um, you've got a SQL database, or you've got a Cosmos DB sitting on the back end. Uh, and we just make it very very simple to. Build the APIs on top of that. Yeah, the whammy for me is going to be authentication, authorization, encryption. Yep. As long as those three things are absolutely clear and the parameters and the ones that we are supposed to use are readily available... I love it. Like they just wire it up for me, please. Oh, well, and SSL is plumbing.
0: built into pretty much every Azure website and every API now. You're, you're going to see that, that's, that's, that's
1: a change we're doing right now. Yeah. Is we're going to make all ASP.NET Core projects as SSL by default. So Great. Even in VS, you're going to always be behind SSL. That's so perfect. we're that's it, we're trying to go say best practices. So there's a couple of best practices. SSL is one of them. Um, a lot of folks might have heard of GDPR. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the EU regulations on privacy and stuff like that, and there's there, there's rules of saying that's the thing when you see those cookie banners saying, mm. "Hey, are you where this site's tracking you." Yeah, okay, we use cookies, yeah. Um, but it goes a lot further than that. If you actually are, are certified, it means your site encrypts data. Yeah. So your user data is encrypted; it's not unencrypted. Yeah. You as a as, as a user can go to that site and tell it to erase your data, uh, and it would erase your data. And so that's an area that the AspNet team is currently looking at building into their default templates where all the GDPR stuff is just built in.
0: Just do me a favor. Just make it so that my daughter can't get in the car and say, hey, Cortana, erase my data.
1: Because she'd <laughs> like to do that. that she would likes to that. mess with me. Yeah, I know. I, I, she got my hands on my phone once. I had more pictures <laughs> of <to> her. Yeah, <laughs> that was a joke last time I saw you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Siri, erase dad's phone. <laughs> that's, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. So what's next for you? <laughs> Not traveling for a while. That's you're coming to Vegas. Idea. I am coming to Vegas. Yeah, yeah. deb intersection last Dev, week. We have October a Dev intersections November. last week of uh, of October, yeah. and right around Halloween too. That's got to be right Halloween in Vegas. The yeah. last one That's for always us, an adventure uh, of the year. Yeah, uh, will you get to connect as well? I am not doing connect this year. Ah, so, there you go. so uh, Scott Hanselman isn't here this year, and so I had to do some of his stuff this year. Oh my! And yeah. So I'm like, hey, I did your ignite stuff. You, so you get do my connect. You connect stuff. That's fair. It's it's all right.
0: Scott, it's always great catching up with you. We always have stuff we learn and you know, stuff we geek out about. Thank you very much. Yeah, for thanks joining. for having me on. You bet. Scott Hunter. Yes. We'll see you next time on .NET Rocks.